Before we get rolling into today's podcast, I want to tell you about our awesome sponsors that uh, keep this thing free for you guys. So first we have DuckSeason.com. That's D-U-K-S-Z-N.com. Go on there. Check it out. Uh, You can get signed up for uh, Traded Hunts where you put in your location, the kind of birds you're after, you know, the type of things that you do. And uh, you can search around on there, see other people, their areas, what they go after, and you can talk with each other and get linked up and trade hunts with each other. So rather than hiring an outfitter or a guide, if you're on a budget or kind of want to do a little bit of a DIY thing, you can get linked up with some people, go hunt their area, they come out and hunt in your area. It's a really cool thing. Also on there, there's some forums, you know, duck hunting, waterfowl hunting in general, different tips and advice, things like that. And they also have a lot of merchandise, really cool stuff. And in their merchandise, they have the Salty Fowl line of clothing, where 100% of the profits from that go to uh, Eider Research out there on the coast. So really cool cause. Go check it out. Go buy some stuff. Get on some trade hunts. You definitely won't regret it. Next, we have Steady Wing Outfitters. That's Mikey Soberano. He's up there in northeast Kansas, and he uh, specializes in waterfowl, turkey, and deer. You can check him out on Instagram at Steady Wing Outfitters. Uh, and if you want to book a hunt, you can give him a call. His number is 785-410-2304. Next, we have 701 Pursuit. They're over there in North Dakota. They're making a bunch of awesome hunting and fishing content. It's on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all of the places. Go check them out for some high-quality stuff. They also have a website with some merchandise and other things on it. Uh, The website is 701pursuit.com. That's the numbers, 701pursuit.com. So check them out, all the places that you have social media. They're on there somewhere. Next, we have Bulldog Baits. It's over there in western Oklahoma. Uh, They're making crankbaits, jigs, soft plastic, spoons, jig heads, sinkers, anything you need for fishing. They've got it. So you can check them out on uh, Instagram. It's bulldog underscore baits. And if you want to go on their website to order some stuff, it's bulldog-baits.square.site. So if you're needing anything, definitely, definitely go check them out. Also, on the same note, we have Stump Thumper Baits. Their website is stumpthumperbaits.com. They also have soft plastics, jigs, all that type of stuff. Want to check them out too on Instagram. Their handle is at stumpthumperbaits. They're also Facebook, anywhere else. Now we have Waylon Johnson and his guide service. He's over in the San Antonio area. Uh, he's hunting ducks, geese, anything waterfowl you guys want to get on over there down in Texas. You can give him a call at 361-494-7868. You can also find him on Facebook. Uh, his name is just Waylon Johnson. See what he's been up to. Check out the cool birds down there. All that good stuff. And lastly, we have my dog training business up here in Northeast Montana. I specialize in retrievers, but I train all sorts, basic obedience, force fetch, waterfowl upland, anything you're looking to get done with your dog, I can help you out with. Um, You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, all the normal places. It's H-I-L-I-N-E, retrievers. And then if you're looking for some advice or looking to uh, get set up with some training, give me a call. My number is 406 783-7083. Thanks a lot. Thanks to our sponsors. Go check them all out and enjoy the show.
covey took wing shotguns singing a pointing dog down in the old logging road and then he got three and looked back grinning I fumbled around and I tried to reload the country was all right welcome to the woods and water podcast this is Garrett today we have a very very special guest on you might know him as the Spoonbill Assassin or Scotty Goggles, but if you don't know him, Scotty, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey guys, uh, it's Scott McKnight. Uh, actually, second time on the podcast, so if you haven't listened to the first episode, why don't we stop now and go back to that episode, listen to me ramble. Uh, but I am a duck hunter out of Fort Worth, Texas. Um, spent my whole life down here, got into waterfowl about 20 years ago. Uh, and then just been chasing chasing birds ever since. Heck, yeah. So, for the people that aren't going to listen to you and not go back and uh, listen, <laughs> you, uh, on the last one, said that you have a favorite duck and there's a reason for your Spoonbill Assassin nickname. Why don't you talk to the uh, people that don't like the uh, neighbor's mallard and uh, try to convince them to start eating more of them? Oh, I... If you're not on this train, there's no getting on it, unfortunately. It's one of those things you either love it or hate it. And so I came from, you know, hunting central Texas. You get nothing but mixed bags. And and one day it, the shoveler just turned into the poor man's mallard for me. And I think what really happened is one of my best public land hunts I killed three sets of spoonies and that just really kind of set the pace for uh my infatuation and my love for those birds uh but it's one of those things where the lines are so divided it's almost like politics now in this country it's either you love them or you hate them and there is no switch in science once you're on a team yeah they're just so cool looking I mean, that bill, I think we talked about it last time, little contest that you do with the uh, take a caliper and measure the length and the width and add them together and tally it up with all your buddies and whoever gets the biggest one by the end of the year. Oh, yeah, the yeah, the biggest one, yeah. Yep. yep. You said you were going to do that this year, so this is a good reminder for you. Write that down. Yeah. Just measure from uh, yes. the end of the feathers, the start of the bill, right out to the end, and then the widest part in the bill, add those two together and you know, just start a pot. Everybody throws $5 in or $10 or whatever you want to do to start the year and at the end of the year winner gets it i i, I like that whoever came up with it yeah i'd heard that <coughs> so are you when you're cooking your uh, uh spoonies you're doing it just like mallard uh skin on cast iron or i guess what do you yeah. normally do with your duck so the way i do it is and, and a lot of people are probably going to give me shit about this but if i kill a bird i do not touch it for five days i put it and wrap it in newspaper and then i will throw that in the beer fridge that sits around 34 degrees like feathers on go. good, good feathers on everything okay i put them in there for five days at 34 degrees let them sit then i'll rip them apart gut them take the breast out uh, i'll do a couple of them whole and then i will take those breasts or the whole duck and i will put it into a big brine i do 50 percent salt and then I do 25% sugar and then 25% brown sugar. I do that for another five days. And then at that point, my thought, I've never 
had a if I've done a brine like that, I've never had an issue with a bird tasting bad. No matter if I shot them over a cornfield or if I shot them shot them in a swamp. Um, and then from there, skin on salt and pepper, uh, high heat on a uh, cast iron, maybe two to three minutes. Excuse me, total. Get them off rare, medium rare, and that's how I like to cook my ducks. Uh, comes out good every time. So you're doing that with every single duck or just the good fatty pretty ones? Much, pretty much everything. Any puddle duck, that's how I typically do it. We've got a couple of different recipes for teals where we'll chop them up. Um, one of my buddies, he makes a really good uh, teal stir fry, uh, but we'll still do the brine and everything the same way, but he'll cube them all up. Um, and then we'll do something a little different for um, – let me let me just that mute that. Yeah, uh, we do something a little bit different for uh, the sand hill sand hills we kill, but uh, but overall that's really how I cook most of my birds now. Uh, every once in a while I've got a crazy recipe where I turn. Uh, it's got to be a big bird, uh, canvas back mallard mostly. Okay. But you take that breast and you turn it into like a uh, uh, cut a pocket into it. And you turn it into like a, a cordon bleu. So in that pocket, I'll put um, some cooked bacon, some cream cheese, some jalapenos, and then I'll uh, bread it and then fry it in a cast iron. And it's delicious. That sounds good. What's your uh, go-to recipe if you get uh, Sandhill? Chop that breast off and throw her on the Traeger or what? <laughs> No, so there's a couple of things we'll do. We'll either cube it up and cut probably, we'll probably do like two steaks out of each breast. Uh, but what I really like to do in my buddy's how, how perfect. How are you bit, cutting it? Cutting it like uh, you got like one, you mean like you got one breast one, sitting in your hand and just slice it in half like thick ways or like. Yeah, so you're going to make it small. Uh, you're going to cut it in half lengthwise. So. Not just down the center yeah. and have two thick chunks. You're going to cut it. Like if it's laying there as a big wide yeah. oval, you're going to go right through the middle. Like lay your yeah, knife right perpendicular. Through the middle. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Parallel. Jesus. There we go. We'll figure it out. Words are escaping me tonight. Sorry, I'm a little rusty. But uh, <laughs> yeah, perpendicular. So you'll have two thin fillets okay. on that steak. And then I like just salt and pepper. S&P? Yeah. S&P, as long as you got the temp right and you don't overcook it, I find it very hard to fuck up game meat. So call me simple, but I think it's very easy once you figure it out. But until you stop overcooking your birds, you're going to be the person that no one wants to eat their food. Yeah, well, it's pretty easy on any wild game to uh, once you overcook it to ruin it. It's not like beef where you got the fat in it to uh, make up for it and still got juice. That was my no. mistake when I first started with deer was I was overdoing it not only because it was finer to cook, it went faster, and then mm-hmm. it gets well done. You just chew on that thing for five minutes before you get one piece down. Yeah. Once we got our figured no, out it, temps and you get them like the medium rare, perfect. Yeah, but once you get it dialed in, it's, it's very simple, but I have found, especially with ducks, it is you probably have a 10 to 15 second margin from going to oh, yeah. medium rare to overcooked. And as soon as that bird's overcooked and the juice is gone, you might as well just throw that piece of meat away. That's why like, uh, meat thermometers the are your friend. Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like my stakes, absolutely. I pull off at 120 wrap and tin foil. On my ducks, I like to pull them off at like 100, 110 mm-hmm. at the latest, and you wrap it in tin foil, and that heat will keep in there, and I'll finish cooking it. Because yep. I start, I was doing it like steaks at first too on my duck breast, where I was getting to 120, pulled off, wrap it in tin foil. He could pull that thing out a minute later, and it'd be well done. And I mean, oh, yeah. better than cooking it to well done than letting it set, but still was yep. definitely well done. No, yeah, and that that's the one thing I've learned through doing all this because. I, I will say I do try my damnedest to eat everything I kill. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm if I'm going to take the time to kill it, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I eat it. So I've had a lot of uh, trial and error over the years, and that's that's the one thing I've learned is it it's better to undercook wild game than overcook it. Yeah. And it took me a long time to figure that out, uh, but once you do, things get a lot better. For sure, for sure. Well, man, now you got me hungry. I started thinking mm-hmm. about uh, deer tenderloin about halfway through that now, and now I'm starving. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, a lot of things have happened since the last time we talked. You're now a uh, big daddy. How's that oh, change been? Man, it it's been a wild ride. Um, it, it's awesome. Um, it. Sometimes it's hard to explain that it's so much change, but it's, it's for the better in a sense. I want to be a dad, you know, Victoria wants to be a mom. Um, and just the joy he brings into our lives. Um, the best thing that I can relate it to some, one of my friends was telling me is that the days are long, but the years are short. Cause like, I, yes. Cause like I look back, he'll be six months old tomorrow. And I look back and I'm like, holy shit. Like he was just born yesterday. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, there's those sleepless nights or something where he's feeling sick. And, you know, in, in that moment, it, it does seem never ending, you know, or if they're colicky or something like that, but man, it's, it's been a huge change for us, but at the same time, it's, what he has brought to this house is is almost undescribable. And so I'm I'm excited for it. And then having a son, you know, it's one of those things where you start thinking ahead and you're just like, okay, well, um, you know, probably by the time he's four, five, six years old, probably be able to start taking him in the field with me. And then, you know, hopefully by seven, eight, nine, he's able to shoot a gun and we can start hunting together. And then it's like you got a hunting buddy until he turns 16, 17, 18 and gets a group of friends and then he ditches his old man. But, you know, you've got some golden years in there. And so um, a lot of that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I will tell you that's going to be before four years old, because as soon as my son could start stumbling around at about a year, year and a half, yeah. he started coming along with me on uh, oh, that, a lot oh, of archery spot and stock stuff. Pretty much yeah. when he got to the point where he wasn't just crying for no reason, he could kind of voice what was going on. Yeah. Deal. He started coming along. So if you're willing to take them, they can start pretty no. young. I mean, it's the same thing my dad said, too, when I was – as soon as I wasn't crying for no reason, he could start taking me along, and he did. So. Yeah. No, and, and, and that's what I'm hoping. The sooner the better, just to have those moments. And whether it's successful or not, I feel like just being able to get out and be in the outdoors with my son – uh just us i i don't know i think there's just something special about that yeah well and 
I've said this multiple times on the show so that people have heard it, but um, when you take them along, like last year bringing my son along, he was at the point where he could walk on his own good and he could talk for the most part pretty good, like make sentences and whatnot. You kind of start seeing the world through their eyes a little bit. Like you're experiencing the hunting in a different way that you haven't for a long time. Because like anymore, you don't notice the rocks or the ants or, you know, if you're deer hunting, you're not noticing yeah. the birds in the air and stuff like that. And bringing him along, we were stopping all the time so he could pick up rocks. Well, even this year turkey hunting, we were out, uh, me and my friend Blaze, we were out turkey hunting. We had him along and we're glassing for turkeys and whatnot. And we're doing spot and stock turkey hunting type of deal. And my yeah. son's over there playing in the dirt. I thought, whatever. And he came back and he had a whole bunch of uh, like petrified seashells in his hand that we had walked right over. Didn't even notice him. I just thought they were bird poop on the ground, a bunch of little tiny white seashell deals. And we yeah. went over the side hill. And sure enough, there's a bunch. And we sat for a while and dug a bunch out for him. And yeah, you just, I don't know. You just experience the world through their eyes again a lot more than, you know, we do now. Or at least I do now. Yeah. No, no. And, and, and to me, that's the one thing I'm looking forward to is just. Because, you know, right now, you know, these first six months, these first 12 months, especially um, since Victoria's breastfeeding, it's all I, all he wants most of the day is his mom. And then, like, he looks at me like I'm an alien. Like, who in the hell is this guy? What good do you provide me? And, you know, it's one of those things where it's you have to get used to playing second fiddle kind of thing. But slowly like every day every week you can kind of see that you're more of an impact in his life every, every time and so um just seeing that growth and hoping to continue it down the road is something that i i greatly look forward to yeah he was uh end of january wasn't he uh yeah uh february 2nd yep february 2nd huh I want now I'm gonna sound like a terrible dad, but one of my kids' birthdays I think is February second. They got I got two of them I got two of them stacked in February. February eighth and February something else. Yeah, no. Um now the cool thing was um so my birthday's January thirtieth and, and we were really hoping I would I was hoping that we would be born on the same day. Yep. So that was a he could take over the spotlight. Like I'm not a big fan of birthdays and everything, you know, as you get older to me, it's just kind of stupid. Like, yeah, it's let's have a party, but we really don't have a party for dad kind of thing. Yeah. Um, You'll be able to match them up, kind of have them overlap and do that. And I was, I was right. My daughter's February 2nd, 2021 oldest daughter. There we go. But then my second daughter here, our youngest kid, her birthday is September 28th and mine September 19th. So I'm already saved. I was off by myself on the nice. birthday and always had to have one. Now I got somebody to cover for me. And then this year, like back in the hunting thing, we're kind of planning, I think, over that week, my birthday week. Yeah. Me and uh, me and my friend are going to be out elk hunting. And then we'll be back in time for my daughter's birthday. But that way then I really, really can get out of having a birthday. I, yeah. I hate that so much. Saying it to me, yeah. I hate it. Plus, <laughs> Once I got past it, the age of 18, what, it's just another day. And, and yeah, t- to me, the fanfare of, oh, well, let's do a family dinner or, like, you got the in-laws and then your parents. And, and, and it's just a bunch of different things. And there's just so much planning that is unnecessary 
that they want to do. It's like, oh, well, we'll get everybody over here. And what do you want to eat? And like, oh, we'll cook what you want. And it's just like, let's just throw some chicken on. Let's just do something simple. And it's like, well, no, what do you, well, if I said I wanted bone-in tomahawks, are you actually going to go spend $700 and go buy eight of those motherfuckers? No, I don't think so. And so then that's risk all. ruining and, them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then if we get that, you know who's cooking on his birthday. Yeah. Fucking this guy. Because, yeah. So See, I, I don't mind cooking. I, if it was my perfect birthday and I couldn't be elk hunting, yeah. my, my birthday's right in the rut. If it was my perfect birthday, nobody would be there. It'd just be me, my wife, and kids. We'd have some steaks. I'd go throw them out on the grill. I'd have a drink. I'd sit out there yep. by myself, grill those steaks, maybe watch some baseball on the TV, on the outside TV. And then I would bring those steaks in. We'd eat supper. Kids would hang out for a bit. They'd go to bed. Me and my wife would go to bed, watch TV, whatever, and go to sleep. Perfect yep. birthday. I don't need everything else. I don't need the cake. I don't need the singing. I don't need other people there. No, and I'm exactly like you. I just, I just want to keep it simple and... I don't think, it, in my mind, I don't think it would be a big deal if these family events were just very simple, like, hey, we're just going to do a Sunday dinner or a Sunday afternoon, but it, it turns into this fanfare. And then, like, uh, if it doesn't happen that week and it's like, okay, well, we got to plan it. Can we do something midweek? And it's just like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. It's not that big of a deal. Well, it's not that big of a deal. I was told last year on my birthday that – my birthday is not for me. It's for the rest of the family. So get over it. Be put on your big boy pants and enjoy your birthday yeah. with your family. Yeah, I've I've heard a couple of things like that as well. Yeah. So, um, but speaking about your birthday, let's get into this. So, y'all have elk tags. Yep. Where are you going? West of here. Okay. Or, or, or let let me back that out. What state? Just Montana. 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 We're not making it over to the mountains, all the way into the mountains or anything like that. But it's, uh, I mean, it's a known archery tag, but at the same time, it's not. It's kind of a little hidden gem, but not. Um, I, dude, trust me. I, I, I get it. Yeah. I, I completely get it, man. And, and so, and speaking of this archery, um, that's what I've been getting into this all season. Yeah, we were talking about that last time you were on. You said that this summer you are going to get into it. Yep. So, um, unfortunately, I figured out way too late, probably, oh, I would say uh, middle of July, I realized that all the lotteries for the western states all happened in, like, February, March, April. Yep. So, missed that completely. But... Uh, for the last two months or so, got the bow set up, dialed in, and I got a 20-yard practice range in my backyard, which feels really weird, but uh, absolutely love it. Gives me something to do every night, you know? So, did you, I'm pretty sure last time you said you had a bow, but you had to finish making a setup or something on it, or you needed to get one, or what was going on? So, so try to make a long story short, I bought this bow originally in 2012 because um, I was going up to North Dakota. I thought I was going to be able to do a mule deer hunt up in the Badlands, uh, but that ended up not happening. So I ended up sitting on that bow for about four or five years, sold it to a buddy at work, and then about, oh, I'd say 12 months ago or something, um, 
it came up for sale. I bought it because my buddies want to do a elk hunt in Colorado next year. So 2024, they want to go to Colorado. And so I bought the bow, but at that point in time, um, I had to get everything set back up on it. So the peat side was not set up for me. The length of pool was like two or three inches too long. I need to go get some arrows set up and uh, have the draw weight adjusted. So pretty much getting the bow tuned for me. And I finally did that probably June, July, somewhere in there. And for the last couple of months, I've just been tinkering around with it. And holy shit, dude, you talk about fun and addicting. Yeah. Like it's, it's bad. It's real bad. Like, um, I think I've been doing this for a couple of months. I've already, I've gone through like three or four different stabilizers. Um, I've, I bought a new site. I bought a new release You know, just all these little things that I'm just tinkering around with. And, and I'm, I love it. it. And I think what makes it so fun. Um, now, obviously I've still never gone on an archery hunt, but so far what makes it fun in my mind is the fact that anytime that you want to go do it, I can just step out into the backyard and go exactly. watch arrows. Yep. You don't have to waste money, go to a range, waste shotgun shells, spend $10 a box, you know, pay the fees for the clays, all that stuff. It's just like, oh, I got five or 10 minutes. I'll go outside, you know, shoot some arrows. And then I'll come back in the whole nine yards. So, but, but yeah, man, I'm getting pretty excited for the season and I, I'm going to put in some tags here in Texas uh, for some mule deer out west. And uh, there's a couple of public um, um, public government properties that have uh, archery, uh, whitetail hunting uh, that I plan on trying my hand at this year. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I've said this a lot of times on here too. That excitement that you have, I sure miss that because I sold all my compounds and everything just so I could make myself do the traditional. And I yeah. miss being able to tinker with sights and rests and the cam timing and bear shaft tuning and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. God, I, I really miss that. The scientific stuff on it because, I mean, longbow, you can only do so much. Pull back, yeah. let go. There's yeah. yeah, there's so many trinkets and things you can mess with when you get into the compounds. So you got a good like range and – people around you that know what they're doing that can really get you set up and really get you tuned yeah so uh there's a place down south uh south of me in alvarado uh alvarado archery and they've got a pretty good setup out there and one of my really good buddies he's a uh, competitive archery shooter and uh he out of houston and he recommended those guys and i've been down there a couple of times and I've got nothing but great things to say about them. They pretty much took my bow. They said, okay, uh, we'll get it all set up for you. They ran through everything. And with probably hour and a half, two hours, they had it all dialed in for me, gave it back to me, cut me some arrows and said, here you go. And on, on my way, I went. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Ah, it's going to, you're going to have so much fun. Like if you really stick with it and you start, you know, so they, they kind of set it up for you. If you go in, I guarantee and you start asking questions on how you can start doing this stuff yourself, they'll be more than happy to mm-hmm. teach you. And that's what it really, really set it off for me. Because I, like I had grown up shooting archery and everything, and it was just kind of 
see yeah. bow, shoot bow. That's all great. And then once we don't have a shop around here or anything like that, so I had to figure it out on my own. I mean, we were shooting just absolutely yeah. out of tune, whatever arrows the box said should be the right spine possibly for your draw length and weight and uh, yeah. all that stuff. And so I didn't know anything about it. And then I started doing my own research and YouTube and uh, knock on TV on YouTube. Yes. Fucking yeah. just gave me so much info. John Dudley is a hero. And I went yeah. from that to figuring out everything. And uh, it, yeah, it changed it from just shooting a bow to like, oh, I get to go. I get to go figure things out. It's like a puzzle. Like I can make new things and do new things. And ah, yeah. just, I love it. Love it. Yeah. No, and, and I've been... I've been watching a lot of his videos and that's kind of where I've been getting all of my, like, oh, excuse me, all the uh, training and stuff. Like, um, I, I think it's like school of knock or something yeah. like that. All this playlist in there. Yep. Yep. And so just kind of following that week by week progression, just kind of building up. Cause it's one thing, what I've learned through whether it's shotgun shooting, pistol shooting, every time you do something, it's a rep. And it's either a good rep or a bad rep. And so the last thing I want to be out there doing is just throwing arrows and not really focusing on anything and building bad habits that I have to correct over time. So I kind of got dialed in with him. And so far, his videos have been nothing but helpful. So did you go to a back tension release or anything? Because you said you got a new release. Or are you still with a wrist release? No, I got the um, I got the uh, trigger release. So just like the one that straps around your wrist, and then yep. pull the trigger. Okay. Yep. Okay. So that's so what I start. That's what I started out with too. And oh then... no no no! It's a uh, it's uh, the one I have looks more kind of like uh, you hold it in your hand. So is it a thumb? It, yeah, it's just like a um, yeah a thumb release actually. The thumb release. Okay. So yep. is it is it one of his or is it just? No, it's Smart just some friend. Amazon job, you know, okay. fifteen hundred dollars, something like that. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, I started out with just the old wrist strap and pointer finger, like everyone else, yep. and I got such bad target panic there for a bit. And it was actually right when I found his videos, and I bought in hard, and I bought one of his uh, silverback releases, and that's back when yeah. I wasn't making any money, so that was a big investment yeah. for me. And that, because I was, I was kind of on the point where I was about to give up. Uh, um, uh, compound bows and switch back to traditional just because I can't shoot compound anymore. Cause as soon as I pull back the bow, if my, any one of my pins touched the target, I just couldn't help myself. I didn't pull the trigger and it just wasn't fun anymore. So that's, yeah. that, that kind of saved me too. I bought that thing and it retaught me how to shoot. And then from there, yeah. I mean, everything else just, it became real fun, real fast. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and that's, that's where I am. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm I'm trying to take it one step at a time because like I see how big of a rabbit hole this can be like getting your own setup in your you know garage you know making your own arrows tuning your own arrows all of this and it's like I just want to be uh, I just want to enjoy the moment and yeah. be a novice and and not know what you don't know and not dive into well do I want you know, that 340 or the 400 or, you know, and then playing with, you know, your grain weight. And, and I, hey, they said this was good enough to kill. So let me take this setup. Let me just have fun with it for a while. And then when I get good enough to realize that 
something's wrong, that's when, okay, let's go ahead and take that deep dive, jump off, you know, head first, and let's just dive into this and, and start doing it yourself. Yeah. The easiest and uh, cheapest thing you can do to start messing with your own setup is to get a uh, fletching jig and to mm-hmm. uh, start fletching your own arrows because then you can go from there and if you want you can get a uh, uh, arrow saw that was my first thing i got was arrow saw and a fletching setup and then you can yeah. go from uh you can choose your different spines you can start setting up your weights you can start gluing in different knot grains and then you can start trying different fletching different numbers yeah. of fletching you can go like up to eight fletchings on an arrow i think on some of these veins they're thin enough if you want to try it and it's just yeah. all the little things you can try and so like waterfowl is such a money pit like you can just throw money in it mm-hmm. i thought that archery was a little bit safer safer for me until i realized it's more nickel and diming because i can do it all winter and all summer so i'm just throwing money in here and yeah. there here and there rather than like yeah. one or two big purchases every year on decoys or whatever yeah. it came out to yeah. about the same when i really figured it out <laughs> yeah no no that's absolutely true and that that's funny because so my buddy down in houston uh thomas um i actually got him into duck hunting and uh, he's the archery guy and and he told me the exact same thing he's like look i know you and i know the type of personality you have so you just need to like pump the brakes and give it like a good three or four months because you think duck hunting is bad, it, and it is, but this thing is year-round. And then if you want to go crazy enough, you're going to have a hunting setup, and then you, then you need to have your backup bow. And then if you're like, well, fuck, I want to do something in the off-season, well, then you're going to buy it, drink the Kool-Aid and buy into getting a target, uh, a target, target bow, bow set up. Yeah. And then he's like, so now you got three fucking bows. And then at that point, it's like, there ain't no point to go to the shop. Why don't you build a shop in your garage? And then all of a sudden you're trying out all these crazy things because you saw like 12 pages deep into Reddit that somebody did this one time or an old timer back in the 40s. did. And so you're like, he's like, just enjoy being new to this for a while. And I was like, okay. But but I completely get it because I'm all I'm already there. Yeah. You know, I'm already looking at, you know, how do I increase, you know, my feet per minute or something, you know, how to get a, just a little bit extra out of what I'm shooting. And so it's yeah, I, I see the writing on the wall of where this is going to go. Perfect. Um, another thing, too, is you being in Texas, you got nice weather year round. So you can just go out in the backyard and shoot. Yeah. If it's uh, 40 below and blowing 50 mile per hour there's not really much i can do besides just sit down and look at it and build things and dream about using them i can imagine mm-hmm. if i had good weather year-round to be able to try things year-round i would be spending so much money how how long is that uh how long is that basement you got uh, this new basement might actually get it here i'll uh whip it around <laughs> here i don't know if this will work but we got stairs right there and then yeah. if you go through that sheet there it goes to a concrete wall over there on the other side of that, on those uh, drapes. And yeah. it is 18 yards from the stairs to that. Or if I go back Ooh. in that corner to the wall, it's 20 yards exactly. And that's perfect. I know. I'm just thinking that's about perfect. arrows shattering on that concrete wall, though, and how, how much trouble I'm going to be in. Man, I tell you what, a lot better to shatter on that concrete wall than that drywall stairs. Yeah, yeah. Especially my wife's <laughs> coming down the stairs and you're <laughs> 
Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, that's an ass chew, and I don't want to take. Yeah. So and this place too, I got a three stall garage in the back too. I need to throw some insulation oh, nice. on the walls. And yep. there's already uh, they had planned on putting in a uh, like an old an old countertop against the wall, yep. and then they had like an old counter cupboard set up that they're gonna put yep. above it for. He was a big fisherman, and I'm yep. a big hunter, so I'm gonna throw insulation on the walls. Try to find a wood burning stove to stick in the corner. There was one that kind of slipped away from us on marketplace, but anyways, yeah. do that. Get some sort of heat in there, and then I'm gonna set up all my reloading stuff on that table on one end, and all of my arrow and bow building stuff on the other end of that. And then in that kitchen cupboards, I mean, I'll have all my stuff. So I'm gonna sit yeah. out there and build everything. I might set up a little paper tuning wall on one end, and yeah. uh, be able to do that in the garage. And then if I really want to shoot, I might just set up a target down there like you're saying i've already planned it out don't worry don't ask about the basement it's already got plans well i like it i like it man that's awesome yeah so hopefully next time i'm on the podcast probably in the season i would at least hopefully had a shot at a deer i don't know how this is gonna go um so one thing i have noticed is uh so the places i can hunt it's either spot and stalk or um, climbing stands. And you got to pack them in and out every day. Mm-hmm. So, is that, so, is that on just like the one piece of public hurdle. in Texas or what? Say what? Is that the one piece of public in Texas or what? <laughs> no, no. there. There's plenty of them. There's probably like four or five hundred, probably three to four hundred public properties you can hunt. But... It, it doesn't amount to much. And then anybody who wants to hunt public, um, I mean, every Tom, Dick, and Harry are out there trying to kill a deer. So it's it's going to be a battle all year long. But, I mean, I'm not willing to pay six to $8,000 just to get on the lease. So I figure do this for a couple of years, grind it out, see what it's like, and Hopefully, within, uh, with uh, this season coming up, I uh, kill a whitetail. Okay. Legally. Legally. So a month and a half, you're going to be on the elk hunt, correct? Close. Yeah, a month and a half, we're going to be on the uh, elk hunt. And then uh, August 15th, I start my archery antelope. So I'm actually like two weeks out from uh, hunting season for me. And then if I want to go over to North Dakota, we got early goose season too. But antelope takes priority over goose. <laughs> Yeah, and I tell you what, uh, that that year that that I was in North Dakota, I got to do one uh, early season goose, um, and that was probably one of the funnest hunts I've ever been on. I've I've got to admit, because I think at the time, and maybe it still is, but I think I want to say the limit was fifteen a man. Still is. Oh, oh my God. And those birds are so fucking dumb. And when they're still in the family groups, they did it just right. It was like every two to 300 yards, they had a family group coming in and we were right there. And it was, it, it was just a murder factory. It was, it was insane. So that's a lot of things you got going on. Yeah. A lot of th- opportunities you have up there. Now I will tell you that was one of the exceptional hunts, what you just described. A lot of times, 
you were out there cooking to death in the heat and the humidity, getting ate up by bugs oh, yeah. to get skunked. Yeah. But every now and again, that early season, you'll get exactly like you said, those family groups with those dumb young ones, and they'll somehow convince their parents to come down and you can slaughter them. Because I've had mm-hmm. multiple, I shouldn't say multiple, a handful of times where we've taken out like four or five guys and got four or five guys limits from early season. Mm-hmm. And there's been many, many times I've gone out with either solo, two people, three to six people, and we got completely skunked. Yeah. Those good ones, when they hit, and it's just like you're describing, like they're just stupid and they can't help but come in. You barely got time to reload and you got another flock coming in. Yeah. Those make it worth it. To me, the craziest thing was it, I guess it must have been like we killed the parents on the first volley, but if there was a straggler or two, they just loop right back around in. You know, you'd hit them with a couple of clucks and they just turn, lock up. And it's like, oh, my family's still there. And all of a sudden, boom, you drop those last two and then you kill that whole family group. And then the next one's coming in. It's just like, get down, reload, let's do it again. And hit them with a couple of clucks and a moan and they just lock up. And gee, uh, it, it was insane. It was insane. And But you are right. It's... 95 to 100 degrees it's hot it's miserable the bugs are horrible um you got you got no shade uh there there's no trees here there's not a tree in fucking north dakota i swear to god that's the one thing i i noticed there is no shade in that state Um, yeah the state tree is a telephone pole (laughs) oh that is a fact but but man, yeah, like like you said, when when they do it right and and it's epic, it is truly something that you have to experience as a hunter. Yeah, you need to experience it once. Mm-hmm. But uh, locals don't like it when you're out there getting your experience of a lifetime. Oh, fuck them. <laughs> man, I I I'm, I try to be very nice, but man, sometimes you just piss on it like if if you didn't do your homework and you're relying on being a local and you didn't scout and you're pissed off at me fuck them yeah there's only so much so much you can tolerate yeah i think it's funny when uh oh did you bring me more hopefully that's just your wife not your kids no no that's my wife my kids uh my two older ones are at my mom's right now having a sleepover at grandma's, and my youngest one's been in bed for two hours now. Well, like, can she even hear me since you have the headphones in? Oh, no. No. Oh, good. Good. No, she just hears me babbling to myself down here. She's used to it, though. Don't worry. She's like, who's this crazy fuck I'm married? Yeah. No. That's awesome. So, well, you just said, we just glazed over it, but you got an uh, antelope. Or a proghorn hunt coming up in two weeks, right? Yep. Yeah. Our uh, so I don't know if it's non-residence too, but for residents we have a 920. It's called archery antelope tag, and it pretty much covers the whole state except for special draw zones for antelope. Yeah. And that's an archery only season. It starts August 15th, and it goes all the yep. way through the regular rifle season. So normally, if you just draw for a rifle tag and you want to use your uh, bow for it, you have to have your archery stamp, and then it starts September. Second, I think it's the same time yeah. as the uh, deer and elk, yeah. but you get a whole extra half month or whatever or month okay. if you were to uh, 
get the nine or twenty tag, but then it's only good for archery. You can't. Yeah. So you get can't. that. You pretty much get a little bit of the rut to uh, yeah. use your bow only, kind of like as your handicap, I guess you could call it. Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah, so I'm yeah. August 15th, and what's it today? The 1st? Mm-hmm. So I am 14 days away from the start of hunting season for me. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so excited. You have no idea. I've been waiting since I pulled the trigger on my last thing last year. Dude, I, I can completely understand, man. I with getting into the archery thing, like all of a sudden that that just kind of lit a fire in me that okay, if if every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there is doing these public land hunts, it's like I've got to be able to figure this out. So I, I started doing a bunch of research, and uh, man, I'm next year I'm putting in for a lot of draws yep. in uh, New Mexico, uh, Colorado. And I might do Wyoming. Um, Utah looks like it might be okay. But, uh, oh, what is it? There's an app. Um, you ever heard of uh, Go Hunt? Yeah, I have. So I've been using their app. And for somebody who knows nothing about the Western Draw system, uh, they have a ton of information. And so it's it's just kind of been helping me out and kind of – even though I'm late to the game for this year, just kind of building a game plan for, okay, potentially what I would want to do next year and what it would actually look like and how much it would cost, what it would take to make it all happen. Yeah. Are you, so what are you looking to draw for? Is it just like mule deer, antelope, Um, elk, or what's uh, your priority? Mule deer and elk. Is your priority. So you're not too worried about antelope. No, I, I, I feel like if potentially I could kill one in my lifetime, that would be cool. But I feel like um, those two are are the main priority for me. Okay. So I think I said this to you last time too. But for my two cents, I would say if you want to do a Western hunt, try to get your antelope tag and get you an antelope decoy and find a state that you can go out during the rut. Because yep. deer and elk, once it gets hot, you're done for the day pretty much for a spot and stock unless it's hot and heavy in the ruts which deer is late so you're going to be in trouble for that antelope it's all day you can just do failed stock after failed stock you can knock down as many as you want in a day just trying to just see them out there all they do is just walk around and eat all day so if you go out and you mess up a stock over here walk back to the pickup drive a mile away look for your next buck you want to look at glass them up try again you get all day to try over and over and over and over and over so it's a great great way to learn but that's just my two cents you do whatever you want to do this is your adventure i'm just along for the journey (laughs) no no this is all good information and one of the cool things is we so we have antelope hunting here in texas but and the permits are free but the caveat is it's all done in units and it has to be done on private land so landowners can get a tag for free but do you think that they're just going to give that tag free yeah so i've called a couple of my buddies who live up in the panhandle and and they're talking about to make that hunt happen to get that free permit you're typically looking at three to 3,500. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, so that, that, that is to me the one uh, deterrent from trying to do it in the state. But, um, but no, I, I hadn't even thought about hunting antelope until you said something. So I may start putting in for draws. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you what state to do or anything, but I know Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota. North Dakota is kind of weird on it. I want to try for North Dakota because some places don't have antelope tags, even though the biggest antelope I've seen have been in North Dakota. It's stupid. Yeah. Uh, South Dakota, Nebraska, obviously Utah, New Mexico, all those places. But I've always kind of heard that an easy state to get started in for a lot of guys from the Midwest is Nebraska just because it's more centralized and you still have – you don't have really the elk. It's hard to get the elk, but you still got the mule yeah. deer and the antelope there. Yep. And you're learning how to spot and stalk. It's more prairie than – it's kind of like up here. It's prairie with breaks and stuff. But yeah. you've still got all the game, but it's a lot closer for everyone. I don't know how the draw system works on that. I've never tried for Nebraska because yeah. I'm covered I'm, from Montana, North Dakota, and South Dakota and yeah. you know, Wyoming. That's all I really care about, our little square yeah. here. Yeah, no, you you are definitely seems like you're in a good, good position if you're going to hunt big game. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, just ask all the autostaters that come here all the time. <clears throat> ben and Kyle, that'll be listening to this. They're on. They live on the North Dakota border, but on the North Dakota side. Oh yeah. So I always give them shit for coming over here. Yeah, tell them borders closed, you fucks. Yeah, but then I go over there and shoot all their pheasants. So. Yeah, you gotta you gotta give a little to get a little, right? Exactly. Exactly. So now this is a question I'm gonna start. Asking my guests. All right. Since we just uh, watched the retay thing tonight, which, I mean, it was kind of cool if you're going to, I was thinking about that for my son to get a kid, get him a gun, and they can have it all the way growing up with all their shim packages and everything. Yeah. But, like I asked in there, is it going to work on the longer ones? Because I'm tired. I've got long arms. I'm very long. Like, my draw length of my bow is 30 and a half, which is not and crazy long but it's longer than average so if yes. i go up to a shotgun i'm always short it'd be nice if yes. we could get something other than just a limb saver pad so that made me think of outdoor inventions and everybody sitting around has thought of up of something do you have an invention that would improve everybody in the outdoors that you just haven't put out yet or made public that you'd be willing to share i guess if you're gonna copyright something don't say it but <laughs> no no i i don't have that much ambition um in the outdoor space um i i mean the only thing we've ever done is tinker with motion decoys to make them better you know either put like a bigger uh a bigger filter on them to throw water up or something like that um but man uh, other than that, I've I've got nothing off the top of my head uh, that that hasn't really come to market. Uh, let me think about it, and maybe by the end of the episode, I might have something for you. Yeah, my one <laughs> since I'm going to ask people, I may as well throw out my one I had was this winter ice fishing. I came up with this idea sitting on a bucket, and what they need to do is you need just like two sticks and some nylon or webbing material or whatever you wouldn't quite know this because you don't sit on buckets ice fishing down there in texas you could try but you'd yeah. sure drown pretty quick 
<laughs> but all it is is if you take the bucket and you flip it upside down, I'll kind of try to sketch this out for you. So you got a bucket, top, bottom, and it's going to be two sticks that come up, and there's a strap on the bottom with Velcro that I wrap around those two sticks, like on the midsection of the bucket, and then there's like a strap that goes around the back of them. So there's pretty much the the there'll be two sticks sticking up. I'm trying to say I'll do this. Picture there's a strap that just goes across the two of them that's there solid forever, so it looks like an H. On the bottom of those two sticks, there'll be a uh, Velcro strap with like uh, one of those loops where the Velcro strap will go through, come around Velcro on itself. That would go around the front of the bucket, the uh, H strap, the original one that doesn't move, would go on the back of the bucket right at the top, and then there'll be one more chunk of webbing on the back. So that way you got a backrest when you're sitting out there on a bucket. That way you don't have to bring a different chair or anything. You just got your bucket. And when you get done, undo the Velcro strap, pull it off the bucket, and roll it up. And it's just going to be as tall as the bucket itself. So you can throw it in the bucket with the rest of your stuff, pick up your bucket, and walk out. That way you got a backrest. And all you have to carry in besides your fishing pole or whatever else you got is just your bucket. Because there's a lot of hop and hole guys that will just have their auger and their all their stuff in their bucket. And you carried it out. But then yeah. you're in a bucket all day with no backrest. And that's my one invention. That might have been a babbling incoherent thing i drew it out for guys i said oh that's a great idea i would buy that but i don't know how to prototype or do anything like that i don't have the time for it but if that makes sense people won't be able to see it there's the bucket no that strap will go around the back this is the velcro one that'll go around the front so that'll keep it going from forward and backwards and then this mm -hmm. is your backrest right here two sticks i'm gonna get done pull off that velcro stick it up roll it up into a little ball so it's be two sticks of fabric between them throw it in the bucket bam you walk away Damn. I, I can I pictured it before you even showed me that, and I think that's absolutely fucking ingenious. Because, um, and hopefully people don't understand what you said. Uh, that would be the best thing ever. Yeah, um, to sell for five dollars at Fleet Farm. Yeah, but I mean, think about it. if you want a backrest, you've got to get a chair that probably costs at least a hundred dollars a probably weighs 20 to 30 pounds B and is extremely cumbersome to carry in the field to be mobile, right? Well, see, most people just bring like a lawn chair. I agree bring mm -hmm. lawn chairs, but that's another thing you're packing. Like I said, when we're hopping holes, especially guys that are doing uh, uh, like crappie and stuff, you just got a bucket yep. and your auger. If you're walking, you don't have like the four-wheeler mm -hmm. set up and everything. You just got your bucket and yep. your auger and you just go out, set up, pop your holes, try it, it doesn't work, pick everything up, go to your next hole. Well, if you got that bucket and that thing just sticks in there, then at least you got a backrest to lean against. Because I was, I was sitting on the bucket all day. Everybody else had chairs because I had brought chairs. Nobody else did. And I was nice enough to give them away to everyone, and I had to sit in the bucket all day. I was like, God, if I just had a backrest, this would be so backrest, much better. It, it saves you. But no, I'm, and I guess I'm just looking at it from like a, a waterfowl hunting perspective. like Or a dove. Even just, yeah, or a dove. Just not having to sit on a bucket all fucking day. Like, it's miserable. Like, um, the new Yeti buckets, uh, the dive bomb buckets, they sit up a little bit taller. And, like, to me, that's the biggest thing with a, a normal uh, Homer bucket from Home Depot is they sit low enough to where it hurts my hips. Maybe I'm just a fat ass. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. But your hips, you know, my hips are below my knees when I sit down on a Homer bucket. So it hurts my hips. But if you could just get elevated just a little bit more like them, but also have a little bit of a backrest, 
my Lord, I feel like I could stay out there for days. Yeah. Well, there we go. Copyright, 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 copyright. By God. So that kind of makes me, every time I hear about people buying, buying fucking buckets, it kind of makes me giggle as a John Deere mechanic. Cause I throw away buckets. We go through so many buckets. Oh yeah. Weekly. Cause I'm sure you're getting all your hydraulic fluid, fluid, all your Rotella, all that bullshit. You're getting in five gallon buckets. Yep. Especially cause I'm a road mechanic. So I don't have a, uh, oil system on me. I'm just bucking it, bucketing it. Yeah. So I just, I give them away if people want them. Otherwise they just end up in the dumpster. Yeah. No, that's exactly where they should. So no, but I like that idea, man. I do like that idea, but, but, uh, but going back to retain real quick. Um, so, um, today, August 1st, they had their big announcement and, I really thought it was going to be a 28 gauge. I thought it was going to be a sub gun, 28, 410, something. Uh, apparently, the host of this show thought it was going to be a compound bow. Um, I was trying he, for him. Just something weird because I said, you're not going to be thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, but, but uh, they pretty much came out with the 20 gauge compact gun for children, women, and bitch made men uh, is, is what I took from that. So smaller guys, but you um, can grow with it because it'll fit the regular stock too. So you can get the compact and then it came with shims so you can lengthen it out as you grow and then you can get up to the regular size stock. Yep. So the only downside I saw, which for women and kids, I think that's great to me. It's kind of like, uh, you know, being able to buy that gun that can grow with your kid from very early all the way through is great. And the fact that you can just put a, um, a normal stock on it, you know, once he's done growing, that's perfect. But um, I don't mind it because I personally do shoot a 26 inch barrel. Like that's what I have on all my guns. But um, the downside to it is it comes in a 24 and a 26 inch barrel. So if, once your kid gets grown, if he wants a 28 inch barrel, I mean, at that point, you might as well just buy him a new gun. Well, it's 20 gauge only, and I don't really know many 20 gauges that are in 28 inch barrels. I mean, most of my oh. CRs 26 or 24, and like even my 12 really? gauge is a 26. See, see, I like your style. So, I don't, I, I don't mind that. And the thing that I like too is you could just buy the regular one. And he said when it's going to be less than hundred dollars to get that compact stock and the shims too. Yeah. So you can just buy the gun and then just also order that and then just put it right on from the start. And then you've got everything for him to grow from, you know, 10 years Certainly. old all the way to, to wherever, as long as he wants to do it or until he trashes it or she. Yeah. Yeah. No, but then I tell you what, I, I picked up my, my 20 gauge last year from them and I absolutely love it. Which so, one did you get? Uh, I, I got the accordion. So just, uh, just like you're talking better. about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just like he was talking about black synthetic, uh, I mean, I I put that thing through the ringer last year. Um, I think the only downside to that shotgun um, or that brand in general is the big fucking sticker they put on the stock. Uh, but to me, that's been my only complaint. Advertising, baby. Oh, oh I know, I I know, and and I understand why they do it. But I think that is one of the most gaudy 
things I've ever seen. So I, as soon as I got that motherfucker out the box, I ripped that thing off. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. And then the guy that was, uh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Uh, Jason. Is that what his name is? Why am I drawing a blank right now? I am completely blank. Let's see. Jesse. Yeah, Jesse. Jesse. That's I knew right. Jason is sound right. Yeah, Jesse said that he's willing to come on the show and talk about retail and do some hunting stuff too. So we'll ha- probably have that come up here pretty quick. So we'll, nice. if you got any questions for him or any suggestions, you let me know and we'll we'll hash her right. out. You just hammer his ass until he tells you when that 28 gauge is coming out. Well, that's on the end of that. He said that we're coming out with our sub gauges soon. We're just going to get past this stuff and stay tuned. I didn't realize they were that young of a company. I knew that they were young, but I didn't realize they were as young as they were. I thought they were like from the 90s or something like that. They were like in the 2000s, like mid 2000s. Yeah. And, And I know they started as a, so they're Turkish, uh, Turkish manufacturer, and I want to say they did an import into the, the States for a few years. So, what, last seven, eight, eight years or so, they've been importing into the States, and maybe sooner than that, maybe four or five. Um, but I know for a, a time, they didn't even import in the States. Um, so, yeah, they're, they are fairly new. Yeah. Well, here's a question for you. Still a dirty duck? Uh, I am still a faithful fan. Faithful fan? Are you yes, still sir. putting in the hours for him? Uh, unfortunately, no. Um, and that that just has to do with a lot of things. So um, February, I uh, had my kid. Well, in that span, we also moved into a new house. Uh, I got a new job. Uh, so my hours are a lot different now. Uh, my, my wife got a new job in the process. And so there there have just been a lot of variables going on in our world. And I just don't have any time um, to get away. You know, I, I love helping those guys. I love working with them. Um, the stuff they're doing uh, is awesome. Um, but it's one of those things where I just have not fatherhood and the responsibilities I have here have made it to where I just can't get away anytime soon. Trust me. I understand that one. A hundred percent. I wear way too many hats for what I've got going yeah. on. So, yeah, but, but the stuff they got going on right now with the cold brew, I think that just released a couple of months ago, if I remember correctly. Um, and, uh, the new flavors that they got coming out, um, just the traction those guys are getting it is awesome yeah and i can't wait to see where it continues to go that's that was the main thing i was asking about is i have never i've tried cold brew one time in my life and i thought why the heck would i drink cold coffee so i was gonna ask you about that if it was worth giving it a shot or not but man i'm i'm the wrong person to ask yeah like i i i am a homer when it comes to them i think they make the best coffee but I'm going to tell you, if I'm going to drink cold coffee, it's going to be in the summer, and I'm going to brew a pot of it, and then I'm going to pour that over ice. Okay. And, and, and if I'm going to do if I'm going to have cold coffee, that's exactly how it is. Um, apparently, it sounds like there's a specific method to the madness for a cold brew. So once you get past the Folgers coffee pot, like, I'm out. 
No. It's, yeah. Just pour the grounds in it, you know, let the hot water run, call it a day. Well, last time you were on, you sold me on trying their stuff. So just know your mission was accomplished. I tried her out. Good. And I'm, I'm hoping a lot of people did as well. So because at the end of the day, you know, you only make so much money, right? Yeah. And so why would you support a company that doesn't support uh, your way of life? Yeah. Well, and see, my thing is too, once we get to summertime, I don't like to drink coffee because I'm so busy as is. I don't need to get up like tomorrow and be getting up at five in the morning. I don't need to get up at five in the morning and then forget my coffee and then have a shit day because of that. So I just kind of, when we're really busy like this, I cut it out. And then once we get to wintertime when it's cold and I'm going hunting in less hours and I can actually have time to have a cup of coffee, yeah. that's when I do it. And then I cut it off about once seeding starts. And then once harvest is about three quarters of the way over, it starts getting cold and you throw on a jacket in the morning. That's when I start cracking yeah. it back out again. So that's <laughs> why I was going to talk about cold brew because it's never, never been a thing for me. So what do you do man worst case scenario buy a bag try it out well look like know? it was like a big bag is what you get though no no they have them in uh they have them in the uh was it 16 ounce bags oh they so didn't. you can buy just a standard bag and give it a try uh i i looked into it i think you have to have like uh some sort of filter bag it's almost like sun tea from what i understand so you, you put it in the water. Yeah. You put it in the water. You put the grounds in um, in like a filter bag or something. And then you just set it out in the in the fridge. Um, 12 hours, 24 hours. I don't I I don't know the specifics on that. And then you just leave it in the fridge and drink it. All right. Well, God damn it. You're not even a coffee guy anymore and you're trying to convince me to buy more coffee stuff. <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm telling you, I'm I'm still a faithful follower. Perfect. Um so I got two more things before we close out of here. Are you a baseball uh, fan? Yes. All right, which Texas team are you a fan of? Or are uh, you Texas team? So my my number one team is the Cincinnati Reds. Really? Yep. Big so big season for you with the uh, De La Cruz. <laughs> Man, that is about the only bright spot on that turd really? that has been called the last 20 years. 20? 40? Since they were born? Yeah. No, 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 no. We, we had our run back in the day, and then we had that team in the 90s, and then what Griffey came over, I think we made the playoffs. And, uh, you sound like the Twins right now. Well, that's my five team. Six. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, but no, we have had, we have had many, a great ball player, um, have a shit career in <laughs> close out their careers and fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, King Griffey, um, Oh, uh, Brandon Phillips, second baseman, um, Joey Votto, uh, Probably, <laughs> probably one of the, I'd say top 50 first baseman all time. Uh, but at the same time, he plays for the Reds. You know, yeah. You know, he's never, they don't ever get the national, nationally televised games. They don't get, they don't make the playoffs. He's not able to build his stats. Um, so it's unfortunate. But uh, yeah, De La Cruz. 
he is the bright spot right now. That guy is is something else. Well, the thing that kind of makes me nervous about that is I think that the sports channels like ESPN and whatever that baseball one is, the something on Instagram, I can't remember. Bally. Well, Bally too. Bally does what I watched on. But anyways, everybody is just slobbing on his knob just like they did Tatis Jr. two years ago. And everybody got yeah. burned out on it. It was like the LeBron James type of deal where everybody just got burned out on it. Like we know he's a great player, but they just shove it down your throat so much it kind of makes you not want to yeah. support the guy. That makes me nervous because he's yeah. such – he's so good. I'd love to see it continue. He's so tall, so fast, yeah. throws so goddamn hard. It's crazy. Everything he does is perfect. But then they yeah. just shove it down your throat. It's like, all right, I've seen this 50 times now. He just made a routine yeah. play. but Yeah. No, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I I want him to succeed. I think, honestly, I think what's going to happen is uh, he will play out his contract in Cincinnati. And get traded. Uh, and get traded. And, hell, there is a chance. No, because um, the trade deadline's passed, so never mind. Yeah, not this year. Well, this is this is the first year too for him, isn't it? He's yeah. in the bigs. Yeah, first year in the bigs, but but I could definitely see him um, getting traded in the next year or two for uh, draft picks or prospects. He is the prospect, though. I know, I know, but you know, and uh, oh Christ. Uh, What's his name? Um, he played for the Rangers, and that—that that is my Texas team. If I'm going to root for one, Tech um, Rangers. Yeah, the Rangers. Good. The hell with Houston, man. Yeah, Piss fuck on Houston. Those Even though we have um, Carlos Gray on the Twins now from that team, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It—it's crazy how that happened. Anyways, so, were you talking about the trade today, though? Back to Houston or not Houston? Uh, Rangers. Um. Uh, no, I haven't seen that one. I saw. I did see Verlander went back to uh, Houston. Oh, that's there. what I was thinking of. That's what I was thinking of. But uh, but no, what I was saying is um, my fear is he could be like a Joey Gallo where he came up that first year and he was awesome and oh my God, and then all of a sudden by year three or four of his contract, um, we, had, we had to fucking trade him. He was just trash. Well, do you, you know, know where he, he went? Um. Pretty sure he went to the Yankees. He went to the Minnesota Twins. So you can send De La Cruz right along with him. No shit. Yeah, I've been watching him all fucking season. He's actually um, been doing fairly decent. Yeah. Maybe he did go to the Yankees too. I can't remember. Uh, but but nonetheless, it and and that's how you get because we. To get back to the World Series in what was that 2013, we pretty much sold the farm. John Daniels just raped our farm system uh, to get back to the World Series. And we, again, were one strike away from winning a World Series. So, um, I mean, it worked. His plan worked one strike away. And as a fan, if they would have won that World Series, it would have been worth raping the farm system, like you said. Yes. Yes, it, it would have, and and it would have been worth the lackluster teams we've had uh, for the past eight, nine years. Um, 
but unfortunately we did not win and we've still had lackluster teams, but you know, that's, that's what happened with Gallo. Um, you know, he was doing great in double a, and then all of a sudden it was like, we're doing so crappy. We need something to get butts in seats. So we brought him up and, you know, he, he ended up being really good. And then once pitchers figured out how to pitch to him and how to play him, he just turned into a mediocre baseball player. Yeah. And so it, it that's is how we're sitting with, uh, on the twins. That's how we're sitting with Max Kepler right now. He was hot for a bit. He wasn't amazing by any means, but he was like yeah. above average. And then once yeah. he got to this point, now he's like 30 now and pitchers haven't figured out. And he's just like, subpar his feelings all right he won't play center field and it's just like just get rid of the poor guy and let us move on to something better yes no i i completely understand that so anyways if you want to send de la cruz over the twins too we'll trade you back joey gallo i guarantee it they'll throw him in on the deal oh i'm i'm sure they will i'm sure they would man but but no so but but you're talking about the sports networks uh, dumping yeah. it down, dumping it down the throat. Yeah, I, man, I think, I think with everything right now, that all the black eyes and the black marks against baseball, the pitch clocks, the no dipping, all these rules, uh, the the DH in both leagues, all of this bullshit that they've done to absolutely just screw up the game. Um, and make it less fun. Like hitters can't hit. We we know that. There's more strikeouts. You know, if you go back to 95, 96 season coming off of the strike, um, strikeouts per team across the league have continued to go up and up and up and up. And I think we're getting to the point where I think as of 2019, before COVID, um, the statistic was something like it was a ball was put into play where a throw had to be made to get an out every three minutes because of the strikeouts and the popouts. And so uh, with, with the players and their, I think the hitters just aren't as good as they used to be. They're all, they're all one trick ponies. They're either power hitters or they're, you know, single or doubles guys. And when you get enough of those guys who turn into just power hitters, this is what you get. You get the high strikeout rates. But with all that, and then the rules that MLB has put in place, I think they're trying to find any any bright spot in Major League right now. Just prime example, Shohei Otani. Like, everything that he's doing, they're spinning it into – it's a new record. It's a new record. Oh, yeah. And Shohei Otani's yes. the only person on July 2nd to scratch his nose twice and he woke up in the morning and then go out and trip over a rock but then throw two strikes in the first inning. Yeah. And, and yeah, and, and it's that ridiculous. And the funny thing is the people who understand it get it because he's the – well, in in the new era of baseball, he is the only player – who has been a true starting pitcher and a true position player. In a long and time. Had, yes. You know, since, God, probably 70s. Yeah. So. Um, 
and so of course Which, everything that he is he good does, i love when like when he comes on i watch it like when he's pitching oh, yeah. those nights i for sure watch it just because everything he does he's great at but yes they shove it down your throat even when like he has a sub party everyone not everyone is amazing every single day and he's no exception yeah. so even if he yeah. just has an average day you're guaranteed to still get five highlights out of it that are just like oh yeah like i was saying like just like an average play an average pitch or whatever but they always yeah they're, they're trying to make it exciting. Yes, and and I applaud them, but I think everything that they have done to uh, restrict the game of baseball, like to me, that's the biggest problem um, that they have right now. It's not a you know an under participation or a lack of participation in the youth leagues and all this other BS. It's the fact that they're what made baseball baseball and the people who liked it, you know, really enjoyed it. They're taking all of that away, you know, uh, with the, uh, uh, with the reviews, um, you know, with the challenges, with the pitch clock, with the hit clock. And then uh, with the, you can't shift, you know, all the, all these stupid rules that to me don't make any sense. Like, if a guy can't learn to hit the other way, then I should be able to put all eight players on that one side of the field. Fuck them. Well, like, I think part of that. So the pitch clock thing, it's because things have gotten in the last two decades have gotten so scientific and the research and stuff like in the seventies, they weren't crunching all these numbers like this or yeah. whatever. They were just see ball, hit ball, go out. You're playing baseball. Now everything is so – everything's on the computers and analytical and you're doing yeah. – uh, yeah. Everything is so scientific on it that people are improving. They're improving their health. They're improving their bat speed. Everything like every little inch they can get, they're taking. And it's the same thing on the pitching side of things too. They're improving their arm yeah. strength, uh, angles that they're doing, everything. I've seen some of those videos where they break down like uh, – in uh, early season, like preseason or whatever, when they're going through their workouts and they have got like sensors all over dude's arms and they're throwing unless they see your angle is a little bit off here. And so then they'll adjust and make just tiny micro adjustments and make, they're pretty much turning people into robots. And, and another thing too, is that pitch clock when they're, uh, sorry, I'm getting, so we're on a hunting podcast. We're getting wound up about baseball, but the pitch clock it was pretty ridiculous there for a while. I don't – it's all right now. I'm okay with it now. But I, there was definitely times where the pitcher would take 30 seconds to get ready and you're about ready to pitch. And then he'd step off and look over at the dude. And then you'd have to go through the whole process where the batter takes off his oh, yeah. gloves five times. Pitcher pulls yeah. off his glove and rubs his head three times, put his glove back on, get ready. And then he turn around, step off, and throw out the batter – or the uh, guy in first base – and you wouldn't get yeah. him, and then they toss it back to him, and then you go through the whole thing, and it was like two minutes before a dude even threw a pitch, and that that would yes. get old. That would get old. But yes, no, it, about, it does. Yeah, about the only thing they could do to like get hits up and uh, strikes down, I guess if you want to call it, to get make more action, is it like lower the pitching mound? And I don't think they want to do that, but that's about all they could do, besides what they've already done to uh, help make it more of an even playing field. Because, I mean, as a pitcher, I've not as a major league pitcher, but like Babe Ruth or 
what, Legion down to Little League. I guess it's yeah. different in different states. It's called different things. Yeah. Legion down to Little League, though, um, we we would play at different fields that had different heights uh, for the yeah. uh, pitcher mound. And you could tell on the shorter mounds, your pitches weren't fooling them or as fast to them or whatever as that big step off you'd get on like a higher mound. Like our field had a higher yeah. mound. And you get a big step off, and that was extra momentum when you threw it. If you would go to some of these fields, like Glasgow's was dang near a uh, softball mound. Like it was nothing. You're flat pretty much, just barely a rise. And that one, they would just tee off on you like it was nothing. And you take those same guys the next week, and they come up to our field, and they couldn't hit us. So Mm -hmm. that's about all they could uh, do otherwise. But Yeah. No, and and I get it. There's, to me – if you're a casual fan, you probably think there's a lot of things wrong with the sport, especially before these rules started getting getting implemented. But for me, I've, I've played baseball all my life, and I absolutely love the game. And, and honestly, I love the National League game, you know, where you don't have that DH and you don't have that extra hitter in the lineup and you have to be more calculated. Um, and so – to me, I, I was more of a purist, and I always have been. So a lot of these things that, you know, stem from, well, baseball's not as popular anymore. And so they, they start, you know, fiddling with, you know, all these different rules. And to me, it just, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm just not a big fan of it. Yeah. Yeah. Watching. Favorite sport is football, 100%. Playing baseball 10,000 times yeah. over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I can get behind that. And, man, there there are some games. Um, oh, fuck, what was it? I think last year it was uh, the Yankees-Red uh, Sox series. And I, I sat down and watched that, and it drove me crazy. It, w- it was extremely slow. It, it, it really kind of sucked watching those games but but it was one of those things where it was just as cool to see you know a two-hit shutout in a 1-0 game as it is to see a you know a 10 to 9 ball game yeah you know with eight home runs yeah if you got a pitcher that's absolutely dealing and they can't hit him and you're seeing some dirty stuff it is fun to watch yeah but if it's just like an average game where you know score ends up being two to one or three to two or something like that it's yeah, but if you get those big games, like you said, they're like ten to nine. That's fun to watch because yeah. you're hitting. It's there's kind of like a fine in between thing. If you got like a pitcher that's absolutely dealing, it's so fun to watch because nobody can get them. But then if you got those games, yeah. those pitchers are absolute dog shit. It's so fun to watch. Just who doesn't like oh. to see home runs over and over and oh. over? Absolutely, absolutely. That's why there's a home run derby. Oh, <laughs> yes. I will say that was a pretty good little rant for a hunting podcast about baseball. God dang right it was. <laughs> nobody nobody likes baseball like I do, I swear. I've uh, I played it all the way through, and I've coached it and everything. Yeah, funnest one to play is baseball. Everything about it. Just love it. But, <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So that was my uh, one deal. What was the second thing I was going to ask you? You got me lost in baseball now. <laughs> That's not a bad, bad place to be. Yeah. Let me think. I got one more for you. I know I do. Um, oh, what are your 
back to hunting. What are your big plans for the year? Where are you going? What are you doing? What's something new that you want to try out this year? Just throw me some hunting stuff to close out the podcast. Oh, man. Okay. So, um, first off, waterfowl is going to be the standard MO. Doing a lot of East Texas duck hunting, trying to get out as much as I can. Uh, now that I'm a father, I think that's going to be a little different, but I'm still going to make the most of it. Um, so, got a couple of buddies I run around with out there, and uh, we're going to make, uh, we should have some pretty good hunts in the works. Um, this year, uh, we're doing something new. We do, um, me and a bunch of college buddies do a guided hunt every year. And for the last six, seven years, we've been going out to uh, West Texas out in uh, Amarillo area. And uh, it's a late season waterfowl hunt. But this year we're going, it's going to be September 15th. So it's going to be a dove, pigeon, and teal hunt. Uh, it's going to kind of be more like a uh, dove hunting atmosphere, you know, a bunch of guys in the field, you know, not splitting up, you know, trying to hunt ducks or anything. It's just going to be, you know, hunting in the fields, um, killing doves, killing pigeons, all that fun stuff. So I think that's going to be really fun uh, just because I really want to get into a cattle pen and kill like 400 pigeons. I, I think that would be a good time. Um, and then um, as far as other hunts, I may get out to Stanfields once if I'm lucky. Um, and so that's always a good time with those guys out there. Uh, but I think the biggest thing for this year is just going to be doing the archery hunting, you know, getting out there and whether it's I figure out how to use a tree stand or if I decide that I'm just going to try to do some uh, stalk, uh, stalk hunts you know, and try to kill a whitetail. But I think that's going to be my main goal this year is try to put a deer in the fridge um, and see how it goes. Yeah, I will tell you. So have you uh, rifle hunted? Like you shot deer with rifle or anything? Or is this? No. No. no so big the only, okay. time I, only time I've killed a deer is with a nine millimeter pistol. That's freaking wild. You got uh, Texas people. I tell you what. It, it was a mercy kill. Oh, so okay, was, okay, I got you. Yeah. I thought yeah. you meant that yeah. you're out there with one of those guys with the scope on a pistol on a no, no, tripod no, 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 or no, something. No, no. no it, this uh, this doe was hit by a car and she was trying to crawl into a yeah. two lane road and just had to do. I got the picture. The yeah. So now the question is going back to stamp. Are you going with the uh, um, looking, looking glass, glass boys? Yeah. There we go. Uh, that is, that will be the plan. Okay. Now, since the beanbags made it up on the roof last year, is the cornwall yeah. boards going to make it on the roof too this year? Or what's the plan? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> well, if my back keeps acting up, I, I highly doubt I can get the cornhole boards on the roof. But <laughs> I got a feeling um, at this point, even though I still say I am innocent, if everyone is going to consider me guilty, in this regard, there's going to be something that comes up missing. So there's going to be a nice surprise up there. So I've, I've got a couple of months to figure something out, but I would not be surprised if uh, you hear something on a podcast about the shenanigans that is happening. So not that I want you to point a finger, but if you were to point a finger, who would you point a finger at for the cornhole board? 
or cornhole bag mm-hmm. incident? Well, um, if it's not going to be at me, um, honestly, there's a group of Oklahomans out up there. They were really fucking weird, man. Uh, so just a bunch of crazy Oklahomans. I think they were doing a little bit of meth maybe at the time. <laughs> I, I don't know. All the stereotypes you hear about that state are absolutely 100% true. So if I were going to point a finger, I would say it was one of them Oklahoma boys. Um, Even though they were in bed before you? Yeah. I, man, meth makes you do crazy things. So I, I think what happened is they got really pissed off that me being a Texan and drunk as uh, drunker than I've ever been in my life, stumbling, can't see anything. Uh, I beat the shit out of them at pool like four or five games in a row. So I think they, they had a little animosity built up. And they're like, God dang, these guys are going to talk about this on a podcast and blame it on Scotty goggles. They're like, dude, you know, we could probably get away with some stupid shit and we could just be like, well, this guy was the drunk motherfucker. So, and, and no one's the wiser and it's a funny story and it's great to blame a guy like myself. Yeah. You know? Why not? So, so now, so yeah, I'd say the Oklahomans did it now real quick before we go. What yep. is the rivalry like between Oklahoma and Texas is it an actual thing or how serious does it get? Man, it, for the people who are in it, like I, I have no dog in that fight. That is a UT versus OU, and I am not a UT fan at all. Nobody um, is. Fuck those people. No, Horns down. Ab- absolutely. Um, yeah, well, I think when you have to get your conference to make a rule that says you can't do horns down, or the other teams will pansy, be penalized. Pansy. It, it's. It's just a sad state of affairs. But for the people who are in it, it is a huge fucking deal. The Red River Red River shootout is... Uh, oh, you can't say shootout anymore. That's too violent. Red River rivalry. No. No. Anywho, the, the shootout is a huge part of the State Fair. I mean, the State Fair is wrapped up in that game. Um, and so it, it's fun to see it. But at the same time, it's like at the end of the day, if both of those teams could lose, I think I'd be happy. Perfect. And with them both moving to the SEC, they're about to get throat punched, something serious. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. This year with all the shakeups, I am so excited not to get back into crazy sports on a hunting podcast. Yeah. But I'm excited for college football this year just to see some of these some of these schools that think they're king shit to go like two and eight or whatever just get destroyed dude i i i'm excited to see and and honestly i think um i know a lot of these moves that just happened um this off season are going to take effect i think in 25 25 okay yeah so like oklahoma and ut go to the sec i believe in 25 so i think that's going to be awesome the big 12 gets a shake up i want to say in 25 as well and maybe the pack 12 well i thought it was colorado goes next year to the big 12 big 12 12 to the big 12 uh that may be the case but but nonetheless the conference shakeups i am so excited for i'm honestly i think the the most exciting thing i'm i'm the thing i'm waiting to see most is what happens with colorado 
is Deion Sanders the real deal? I don't know. We're all going to find out. I just want to find yeah. out if he's going to have a, uh, both legs when he starts this season. <laughs> they keep saying he's going to lose it or get surgery or something, so we'll see. Yeah, no. No, that, that'll be interesting. Could you imagine one of the best DBs in the history of the NFL is uh, got a got a prosthetic? Well, sure hope that NFL PA sure pays off for him or something. Oh, no shit. No shit. Yeah. So, but, but no, college football, this, these next two years, the way it's all going to shake out, I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens. Now, I'm going to put you on one. You probably won't care because it'll be the uh, same time as everything else is going on. But a great big rivalry up here in Montana is the uh, Cat-Grizz game. He got uh, Bozeman, MSU, Bobcats, and then yeah. uh, University of Montana Grizzlies. And every year, yeah. the last game of the year is the uh, – Brawl of the Wild, they call it. It's the Grizz versus Cats, and it's a big thing up here in Montana. But it oh, yeah. is a great, great game every year. So if you want to do it, last game of the year, you need to watch this, and you're gonna vote for the Bobcats, obviously, because they're the <laughs> they're the best. But okay, that's a great uh, rivalry game. And there's, yeah. I mean, it's FSC football, so it's not like yeah. There's maybe one of them from the game will make it in the NFL, if that. Yeah. But it is a great, great little rivalry game. So, if you like college football, get on that. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I'll, uh, when we start getting close, I'll give you a text and let you know when she's coming up. But people Perfect. around here from Montana, you mo- the majority of people either went to Missoula or Bozeman. So, it's yeah. kind of like a, like the whole town is like divided. And we have Cat Grizz parties and everything and oh, great okay. big shop parties. Or it's a gambling, pool playing, dart playing, Not- drunk fest in a shop somewhere and Nice. 20 miles out of town and we just get trashed and watch the football game so it's awesome dude that sounds amazing yeah so sounds like an event one day i might have to make up and see in person oh what's crazy is if you watch the game there's kids out there i mean it's the last game of the year so i mean what are we november december is yeah. usually so uh-huh. uh there's kid if you watch in the stands uh i'd say about 50 percent of the boys out there don't have shirts on so it's it's wild. We're playing in Montana in the end of November, start of December sometime. Yeah. yeah, no, that's insane. That is absolutely insane. Yeah. So, Scotty Goggles, to wrap up this show, do you have any words of advice for the people out here listening? Anything to get them through the season? Anything new at all? Being a new dad, maybe you have words of advice that way. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Uh First off, if you need something to get you through season, you're going to love this. Um, get you some coffee. Get you some Dirty Duck coffee. Uh, but other than that, um, in these last six months being a parent, I've realized that most everything that you think is a big deal in your fucking life doesn't mean a thing. Your boss yelling at you, staying late for work, these superficial deadlines. So at the end of the day, just think about what's truly important to you and make sure that that is always your priority. That's what I've learned, and I think people need to hear that. Yes, sir. I agree 100%. 100%. I've had to uh, have a few words with some people to make them realize my priority is not my job. Yeah. yeah. So I'll leave it at that. But 
Awesome. Well, thanks a ton for coming on. Um, Absolutely, man. Hopefully Glad people have made it through the uh, baseball and football ramble on a hunting podcast to get to here. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it is get, the off-season, Mike. It is. It is the off-season. It's hard to find things to talk about this time of year. Give me a month, or not even a month. Give me 15 days into antelope yeah. season, and we'll start having some good stories and things going on. Yep. Um, we'll definitely hook up with you once we get rolling into season or end of season or whatever. Get an update from Absolutely. down there in Texas, down there in Absolutely. Tejas. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on, and uh, you have a great night. Hey, man, you do the same. I appreciate you having me. Yep. All right, bye.